almost the weekend. Oh my god. That was for me, that was yesterday. And seeing our little podcast pop up in Spotify gave me so much joy because I knew that it was almost the weekend again. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. It's starting to happen. That association of seeing the pod and being like, oh yeah, here we are. Friday. (laughs) That's great. That's exactly the energy we want to capture. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, And yeah, once again, welcome back to... um, it's almost the weekend, the Scrub Daddy sponsored podcast where all we do is talk <laughs> about Scrub Daddy and uh, and all of its benefits. So yeah, uh, I'm going to start you off. Go, go, why don't you tell us what you've been up to this week? <laughs> well, I've been introduced to the concept of the Scrub Daddy, which mm-hmm. is, in fuck, is in fact a sponge. It's in fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're already off the rails. Uh, it. It's a sponge. I did not mm. expect that. I was expecting some kind of CSGO mod, mm. um, but it's a sponge. It keeps your utensils and dishes clean. That's right. Um, and we're advocating for sponsorship. Are they a good company? Like, do we even want to be sponsored by them? They're not like <laughs> feeding the liberals under the table or some shit. Like, do we know about this? Uh, okay. I haven't done a deep dive on the company ethics. But from the things that I've seen them responding to on Twitter and TikTok, they appear to be um, pretty cool. Okay, we like that. We like when there are legitimate humans behind social media accounts. And they were, originally, they were like a Shark Tank. Can you do that show, Shark Tank? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, originally they were a Shark Tank um, guy. So just a single dude who went in with this sponge and asked for like... I think it was like 15% for 200,000, like not very much, like a small, small amount of money to just get them started. And now they're valued at like $70 million or something. (laughs) Wow. There you go. Yeah. Or 700. I can't remember how many millions, but they're up there now. So it's a lot. Well, maybe, maybe we need to start thinking about our elevator pitch for the Shark Tank. It's almost the weekend uh, investment opportunity. (laughs) I I thought you were going to say... So talk about our elevator pitch. Should we run into Mr. Scrub Daddy and ask for sponsorship in person? That too. That too. Because <laughs> I've already tweeted at them, but I don't. I haven't heard anything. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. We um, might have to. We might have to really, you know, tweet them every day. <laughs> send them letters. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's the. That's the universe I want to live in. Where, mm. where this ham-fisted podcast is sponsored by a multi-million dollar company. Yes, that's um, very good. <laughs> but uh, no, I've been good, man. Um, I've just been like, you know, chipping away at, at life stuff, been, mm-hmm. been playing The Evil Within, that game. Oh, that game fucking rules. It's just yeah. got really good game design. It's simple, but every element feeds into itself. Um, it's janky as fuck. Embrace the jank. Oh, yeah, what um, sort of jank are we talking? <laughs> like, it's pretty jank. You know, whenever I talk about Dark Souls, I I talk about it like I talk about a, a wounded puppy, you know? Like, I've just got a lot of sympathy for it despite its jankiness. Like, right. you know, when you heal in the first Dark Souls, you stop moving. Like, you have to stand still to heal and there's just all these little movement things that are quite janky. But the the Evil Within is quite a different game, but it takes the jank to the next level. So, like, uh, 
there are stealth elements and when you sneak up behind an enemy and kill them, like you enter a cutscene to do that right. every time. Um, and the cutscene doesn't account for where you are in the level. So if right. you're sneaking up behind an enemy on a staircase, you just elevate to wherever the enemy is and walk up and stab them in the head. And it's just... It's so janky, dude. <laughs> what happens when you come out of the cutscene? Do you drop back down? You, yeah, like, you fall through the air. You drop back down, and you like you know that the animation's also janky. So like mm. you spend, or you can spend. Uh, the The game does a really good job of giving you an aggressive option and a stealthy option, yeah. um, and it's really fun because when you fuck up the stealthy option, the the gameplay section isn't over. You know, you can still yeah. scrape through. Yeah. Um, but. Because there are some uh, chapters in that game where they're in complete darkness and you do spend a lot of the time crouching, pretty scared, there's there's no open-the-door animation if you're crouching. So oh. if, you, if you're crouching and you approach a door, you, like, stand up, open the <laughs> door, walk a couple of steps through the door, like, this yeah. is the whole door open animation, and then crouch down again. Oh. <laughs> and it's like... You've That's just, so funny. yeah, you've got to embrace it. I think, I think it, it, do, it does a good job of telling you what it is. Like the game does not hide its flaws at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's such a great example of not hiding its flaws because it's such a, you know, in terms of an animator's time doing, doing a door open while crouch animation isn't, isn't a great, isn't, um, it doesn't take much time. Mm, um, and then. Right. The, the other part is that it would potentially take time to, like, implement it, but you've already got the code there for opening the door, so you just need really another state to say, is the player crouching, then they're allowed to open the door. I don't know, it doesn't sound that complicated. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, yeah. bro, that's wild that they just decided not to put that in. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah, so the the, the jank is is everywhere, um, but I'm just, I'm just loving it. I don't know, mm. it's just one of those games where... You just kind of feel like they were designed for you. Yeah. Because all the things that don't work are small fry compared to all the things that you like about the game. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I'm just having a really good time. Oh, that's so good. Do you are you playing it on PlayStation 4? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah. I, I really wish they would add like proper Discord support for PlayStation because it's one of my favorite things is like hanging out on discord with the bros and like playing some games and you know when you're not there to like catch up or like you know chat about anything in particular you're just in one another's space sort of while you're playing games right no, i would love to hang in <laughs> on um discord and watch you play through evil within but there's no support for that you just have to sit in an audio call oh so yeah so when you hang out you can actually see what other people are doing on the screen yeah, it's just like a screen share, you know, like in Zoom or oh, whatever. You just yeah, like, yeah. you know, hang out on Zoom and screen share and put your um, put the game on the screen. And oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the more, um, I don't know, maybe it's like a pan pandemic thing, but I remember doing that a lot through the pandemic with some, with some Discord friends, just sitting around playing games, watching them play games, watching movies on Discord. Just oh, a real good awesome. chill time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. So what... What what have you been up to? How's your week been? Um, yeah, my week was my week was good. Um, what did I get up to? I don't really remember. I I, I did a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of freelance. They're sort of approaching the end of their um, 
their production now and so they're trying to like bring on extra people just to like squeeze in the last few drops of production they can before they lock yeah content and um and so yeah it's um it's getting a little little spicy a little little close to the wire um but it's 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 been good um what have i been playing i've I played some a little bit more hunt i haven't been playing any more um uh dead cells on the train i've just been i don't know i haven't had i've had a, a weird like um media consumption thing i realized the other day that like i sit on the train i like scroll twitter or tiktok or whatever and then i get off the train like I, and i could be watching movies or like reading uh, yeah. or doing something you know productive with my brain but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's just that's just the sort of weird habit that i'm in um, yeah it's it's hard on. sometimes like Sometimes you just need that, you know, especially when you're working a full-time job and doing freelance. Like, I think yeah. I think you should embrace not pressuring yourself to be productive, totally. you know, for, for yeah. at least one hour a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not even, like, productivity so much. I mean, it is in, in a way because I, I have, like, guilt around what I'm consuming. <laughs> which right. Is, but I, yeah. I was like, oh, I could be watching, like, a, there's animes that I really want to catch up on, like Attack on Titan. Like, I could just be watching that. Look, the problem that I have with it is it's too hard <laughs> to watch these series compared to how easy it is to do other things on the train. Yeah. So, like, social media and stuff is just so simple to, like, get mm-hmm. on and look at, whereas, like, I need to get on, like, Kiss Anime or um, a little legal website. What is it? Crunchyroll. Yeah. Um, and, like, sign in, and I always forget my password, and I got a message saying and be like, oh, what's the password? And then, <laughs> and then it's like I'm nearly there, and then I get, like it buffers because the website's really shit on mobile and it's just like, this is bad. This is a bad experience. I need to like have some other way to watch anime on the train. Yeah. Especially compared to opening Instagram, yeah. which takes one second. Yeah. Instantly there. Yeah. It's just, if it was as easy as that, I would be, I reckon I'd be all over it. <laughs> um, maybe I need to find some way to like get the series on an iPad and, watch it downloaded or something instead of trying to stream it yeah that's what i used to do like long yeah. train rides i would just have a bunch of movies on there yeah that's uh that'll be the play i have an ipad i should i should be using it there anyway go, bro yeah so um that's what i've been doing i caught up with uh, my friend laura last night we went out to gin palace and had a couple couple bevs um yeah. um yeah that's been it love it yeah, That's, that sounds really nice. I'm, mm. I'm so keen on being able to go out again. Yeah, I like I haven't I haven't been out to anywhere, like other than a a doctor's office for like over mm. a year. Mm. <laughs> I'm like so keen to sit in a cafe and drink a coffee. Yeah, hell and, yeah. And like that's all I do. You know, I'd just be happy sitting there, drinking the coffee watching outside i don't even feel i have to bring a book or something like i can just soak in that melbourne cafe atmos yeah Yeah, people have um you know how there's like images in people's phones for when they call through to you you know like they're like oh Oh, you're calling and your picture shows up your like mental image (laughs) in my head is of you and in like a cafe like umberto's or something window just like sitting there (laughs) drinking (laughs) coffee looking out the window that's my mental picture of of darian that's beautiful that's yeah. uh that's exactly how i want to be remembered perfect, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, mini segue of uh, people who try to create 
environments that look like trendy cafes, indie <laughs> game developers. <laughs> the way you steered us into the topic just now. Oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, man. I, I wanted to... So I had um the initial like Im- impression of what I wanted to talk about was like, a while ago, I remember Jim Sterling. Um, how, how do they refer to themselves now? Um, J- James Stephanie Sterling. James Stephanie Sterling. Thank you. Um, we were talking about like double A and triple A, and they're they're always um, talking a lot about you know the the issues with like triple A development and and like <laughs> I can even hear their voice in my head right now going triple A, triple A. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then um, it got me thinking about like you know, how indie gaming got started and, like, that whole slew of games that came out as, like, the next generation of consoles happened and then started thinking about, like, how there's, like, a weird bridge in between where, like, there's heaps of game development happening with, you know, like, Senua being, like, the the prime example being used all the time for AA. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of got thinking more about that and was like, oh, there's that PMG doco, which I I sent you um, yesterday or the day before. I'm losing track of time now. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was really good, and it brought up a lot of emotions for me because I've been in that situation yes. under a, a bully and a manipulative leader, who yep. you know ended up getting fired and and experienced the backlash and all the all the company crap that comes with it. So yeah, that that was that was a great doco. It yeah. seemed um, it seemed intimate in the way that it's impossible for those situations not to be. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's so hard to, to come in to work and compartmentalize your emotions from like, you know, just doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it was a really good doco, but um, one thing I actually wanted to to start with, because I'm, I'm super into this topic, um, but I I probably have more, questions than i do content um that's perfect but but one one of the things i have is is around like you know what makes an indie game right or or like what makes an indie studio indie and i was wondering if um it's anything like beer so in in australia there was a, a lot of conversations around independent breweries and what actually makes a brewery independent. And this this is obviously something that they could only monitor within Australia. You know, I'm sure in America mm-hmm. it's quite different. Um, but in, in Australia, they decided to um, basically uh, stipulate a specific dollar amount and literage each year to be considered independent. Wow. that's great. And... And I was wondering if there's something similar in games. Like, is there a guideline of any description to help determine what's indie and what isn't? That's a really great question. As far as I'm aware, um, there, there may be more info on this out there, but as far as I'm aware, there is not. Right, so um, it's the Wild West. Yes, yes. In, in, insofar as, as well, you've got studios like Ubisoft having offshoots um, of their studio, you know, like they'll make an indie game. okay so this is great because that was gonna be my next point like they they made grow home which is that like game that has procedurally generated animations um and it's 
uh, it was a PlayStation Plus game ages ago, and so yeah. I played it. It's like an hour long. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it has the Ubisoft logo. Yes. And <laughs> that... It is developed by Ubisoft. Right. So that that inherently makes it not indie, right? Regardless of what the, the content actually was like. Mm. Mm. So um, in just a little quick Google I just did, um, it's, it's made by a company called Ubisoft Reflections. I have a different logo to Ubisoft, but the little excerpt here on the um, on the Google is Ubisoft Reflections Limited is a British video game developer studio for Ubisoft-based Newcastle upon time. Founded in 1984, uh, blah, 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 blah. The studio focuses on racing games and is best known for creating the award winner driver series. So it looks like, an, oh. like a literal offshoot from Ubisoft. It's probably, it's probably like, this is... Um, I don't really know. I'd have to go and like read the full wiki here, but it looks as though it was, um, you, you know, like if you've got a large studio like Ubisoft, you've got like a division, you know, like you say, oh, this 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 part of the company handles, you know, our racing games and this part of the company is yeah, going to handle yep. our shooting games. And then yep. it, it became in such a way that the the racing games became so separate separated from the development of all the other games. It, just, it was like, oh, it's more efficient to run this as an individual studio and we'll set you up out here somewhere mm. else. Right. And so, yeah, even though um, the number of employees here in 2018 was listed as 240, it pales in comparison to the number of employees that Ubisoft would have. I would say if you've got over 50 employees, it's pretty hard to call yourself indie. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, it's, it's so interesting as well, because in this example, Ubisoft is both the studio and the publisher, right? Correct. Yes. So, yeah. so maybe the like, the the definition if we use that Australian brewery parallel, yep. the the definition can be based on head count, and the the need for a publisher, like the the need for investors, basically. Yeah. That that's that's what a publisher is, right? They're just they're just like executive producers on movies. They just throw they the money. money. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. the, they pay the staff. Um. Yeah, so I think, man, uh, there's probably there's probably like tears to the level of purity that you want to go through. <laughs> it's like vodka <laughs> with um, <laughs> all the all of the alcohol um, and analogies. Um, right. Tears to the level of like uh, purity that you want to go through when you're talking about indie. You know, you could say indie is someone or a team of people who do not do not have a publisher. They they're entirely self or community funded, right? Right. So that's like, that's your braid slash the witness dude. Yep. He's, he's like the 200 year old Russian distillery. Yep. Like he, he doesn't need no one. He doesn't want no one. Yeah. He's, he's a one man army. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of, um, a weird one as well, because the sorts of, like, if you were to try and place that sort of definition on top of a studio, it becomes really rigid because you can have a studio of like three people and they may have publisher funding and the sorts of games they make are like less um, uh, scopey and like large than the sorts of games like The Witness that mm. they would, and, and they, as a result, you may consider those to be more indie games. Um, right, I see. Just because of the sorts of things that they make. I, I wouldn't, when I look at games like The Witness, uh, it's kind of hard to put that in 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 like the indie camp for me a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because it's so it's um, 
it's so polished. Oh, that's not, that's, maybe that's a bad thing to say. Bro, I don't know. bro. I'm, I'm Hollow like, Knight was made by three people. Don't, yeah. don't come at me with polish. <laughs> I think polish is the wrong word. I think maybe it's like size or scope or something because The Witness is huge, you know? That game just like opens up. It's, yeah, it's massive. And it's, it's daunting how big that game is. You start off with a couple of puzzles and you're like, I love this. And then it opens <laughs> into the free play section and you mm. can just go to a million different places, which is perfect for a puzzle game, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like the scale is really impressive. Mm. But do you think that is because it's in 3D? So mm. like when I think of 2D games that I would consider have a really big scope, like Hollow Knight, Axiom Verge, like there's there's a lot of game in those games and they're made by incredibly small teams. But when I think of the scope of a game like that and I think of animations and graphics and everything that needs to be put together for the game to be complete, I, I feel just like there's a tendency to give the witness the benefit of the doubt because it's in 3d and it just seems like it would yeah. require more but i'm yeah. not sure if that's actually true yeah yeah you're probably right i mean um i'm still sort of like fumbling with like how i would define indie right. i don't really think it's like um maybe it's not the most productive label to give i think i think a better label would be to say are you publisher funded <laughs> Right, okay. Because that suddenly changes a whole slew of things, you know, like you can have um, studios that are entirely self-funded or don't have a publisher um, and they're just, you know, running off the back of some savings account somewhere um, or they're just mm. like funded by a Kickstarter or whatever it is. And um, that I, I feel like that is like really like Wild Westy. um you know, like we're going to make whatever we want <laughs> style thing, right? Where you get a certain type of result. And then there's um, everyone else, you know, everyone else who is under a publisher who, whether or not the publisher has a huge hand in, in the making of the game or the decisions around what sort of games get made, there's sort of like a bit of up for debate. Um, but yeah, yeah there's, there's that part of it too. There's like the other side of the coin. Yeah. So when I watched that, that doco yesterday, it seemed like people were expecting a bit of action from the publisher. Correct. And I wasn't really, I didn't really know what to think of that because I just assumed they gave money for a product. Yep. And, and because, I mean, I'm not inside the industry. So my yep. knee jerk reaction was like, why would you expect the publisher to do anything? They're yeah. just the wallet of the organization and nothing more but is that not true in some cases it's it's less true um right yeah so, so in some cases the publisher really so you've got publishers like devolver digital where they really um try to um collect weird developers like they have they're like you know they're the, the grungy boys in the back row of, of the bus who only let you sit with them if you have, like, a certain haircut, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you only you really listen to... to Deftones and Nine Inch Nails. Exactly. They're yeah, not yeah. let you in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in... even then, you still feel like you don't quite fit in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's cool following a, uh, sorry, following a publisher like 
Devolver Digital because when when they started out, they didn't have a huge library, and I was mm. I was like, yeah, I just love everything Devolver publishes. And then they like branch out because they become more successful. I'm like, wow, they yeah. really get into some weird shit here. Yeah, they and, sure do. And then they had a hit. You know, yeah. they published Four Guys. And yeah, that's, right. That's that bonkers. That's yeah. bonkers. You know, they started off with like Hotline Miami, Downwell. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, now I just, I, I see that come up on a lot of games I play and love. What else have they done? Let me just have a little little peek. Um, oh, they did Darkest Dungeon as well. Oh my God. Darkest Dungeon, um, an interesting game. Mm. A game I wish I liked more than I do. Yep. Um, then they're doing oh, Cult of the Lamb. My friend Julian is working on that game. Cult of that. the Lamb. That's Cult a great name. <laughs> it looks really cool. Oh, they did Inscription, Death's Door. Oh, Death's uh, Door. Oh, you know, cool. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of weird games here that I just haven't heard about. Dis- Disc Room looks really cool. I really want to try Disc Room. Oh, yeah. That looks like um, Super Meat Boy, but without the platforming. Yeah. And like way more... Um, Violent. <laughs> well, there were discs in Super Meat Boy, true, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, they've got a lot of really, really cool, weird titles. So, yeah, there's that part of it as well, right, where, like, obviously the, the wallet of Devolver is not strictly, like, you know, they, they actually seem to care about the sorts of products that get made under their name. Mm, um, so, so... Sorry, go on. Uh, no, you go, you go. I was going to say, is it... Is, is the devolver relationship with the developer kind of like the producer relationship in a movie where they might see the dailies or they might see the first cut and they're like, you need to change these bits. So, like, they actually do have a little bit of creative input and yep. it's very hard to convince them otherwise because they're yep. giving you $10 million. Yeah. Yes. In some cases, that is... That is how it goes. The there right. um, some publishers have like creative divisions that are dedicated solely to reacting to information that's come or like art or products that's come from the developer, mm-hmm. and then they'll give critiques and notes and, and uh, offer up ideas for changes or demand changes. Mm, um, okay. So yeah, okay. there's there is a little a little bit of that happening as well. With when I was on Puzzle Quest, the five hundred five was the publisher. Okay. And they have a whole social division at their company that handles mobile games, and so um, they have you know they say oh we're going to take control over the Twitter account, and you know you guys get X Y Z like forums and stuff, and so right. there's like a divvying up of labor in some cases as well, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that a lot of people don't think about is um publishers doing marketing and so certain publishers will do the like will do all of your marketing budget and will handle all the marketing for you which is obviously a huge part of releasing a video game yeah and then other other publishers won't they just they just say this is all up to you 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 market the game (laughs) which is kind of crazy when you think about it because like the marketing is how often is results in like how successful a game becomes 100 percent it'd be more hands-on yeah yeah and that makes me think of the the hollow knight kickstarter story like Mm. where they didn't burst out on day one destroying sales and that kind of thing and and i wonder if it's because they were themselves in control of the marketing and they didn't have that upper hand of you know some company with a lot of experience and channels yeah yeah for sure 
So yeah, um, I mean the 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 publisher that was in that documentary, the PMG doco, which I'll put a link in the description for. Oh yeah, um, it's it's worth everyone's time. It's just yeah. a good little forty minute look. Um, yeah. Into into indie game development and when it goes bad. Yeah. So um, hold on a second. Do you want to tell me your sort of thoughts on on the doco? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Man, yeah. I gotta say, I'm, I'm, I, I'm loving this so far. This has just turned into an educational podcast. So we've moved, <laughs> we've moved on from the Pokemon hate cast. Mm. Um, oh, by the way, our friend JT reached out to me yesterday. Um, he's been listening, and oh. <laughs> and he said he was like, "Fuck, you guys are so right about Pokemon." <laughs> Very good. Uh, and I was like, yeah. "Yes." It's- it's bad, man. It's just it bad sucks. games. Pokemon yeah. <laughs> sucks. That's going to be our first match. It's a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Pokemon well, sucks. We've got um, press press X to pontificate and Pokemon sucks. <laughs> That's what we've got so far. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, but I did really like the uh, the the PMG doco. Um, mm. And it highlighted something for me that I... Again, I'm not in the industry, and it just feels like the problems that the three developers they focused on were experiencing are small to medium-sized company problems. Yep. I I'm, I really don't feel like they're unique to the games industry. Yep. Um, I, I experienced something really similar to, to what... Um, a lot of the staff across those studios experienced where I worked under this abusive manager who was eventually ousted for emotional abuse and manipulation mm. and they they left with a redundancy package and yeah. the exec team informed the company that they had left to look after their sick mother. Yeah, and, yeah. And, God and, damn it. And it just really, <laughs> like, seeing that doco really resonated because rather than acknowledge that she was abusive and 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 to say to to all the staff hey this person has left because of this reason and this kind of behavior is unacceptable that's it it's weird because it's a win win yeah. right you get rid of this this shit person and you get to inspire trust in your staff because yeah. you get to say hey we listened we got rid of them. This is why we got rid of them, and this is what you can expect in the future. Yeah. And in, in yeah, they didn't. And in the doco, it, it seemed the same thing. They just swept it under the rug, and nothing is worse than hearing people talk about how sorry they are. You know, I tried my mm. best to create an atmosphere of openness and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, yeah. oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yes. do something about it or shut yeah. the fuck up. Like, yeah. I just hate how people think talking about what they did in an apologetic manner is enough. Like, yeah, it's yeah. definitely part of what you should do, but it's mm-hmm. like 2% of yeah. the whole pie it's it's hardly enough to start being like oh you know we can reconcile they're really uh going through some hard shit after we asked them it's like no fuck that person like they they have to prove that they're worth working for again yeah yeah 
So I'm, I love the story that you that you have of where you, you know, at your previous workplace where there was the abusive boss and you um, played a fairly instrumental role in, in getting them removed. I remember like cheering you on so excitedly from the sidelines <laughs> as that was happening. Oh my God. It was so fucked though. Yeah. Like yeah. the, you know, I, I, I developed panic attacks from that yeah. relationship and I was in therapy like frequently for two years to just yeah. work Feel through everything. Yeah. And, and it really sounds like, you know, a lot of these staff members are, or, or should have someone to talk to, yeah. um, to work through this stuff. Because when people gaslight you around the work you're doing or they, you know, I would go to meetings and get berated for not doing work that I never knew about yeah, or, yeah. or, you know, the classic is having them steal your work and take all the credit. Yeah. And that just, that just fucks you up when it, it happens again and again. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's traumatic. Just, yeah, it's totally traumatic. And it's so important to not only walk through, uh, like work through those emotions, but get to the point where you can openly talk about them. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing that, that was really, I think the most devastating was how afraid everyone was of speaking up because yeah. of how it might affect their career. Like that's, that's an awful position to be in. Yeah. And I, I think there was varying degrees of that level of, control that some of these folks had over their staff mm. like i think i think you know in the three examples that they gave ken wong steve Gaynor, and robin hunicky i think potentially the most i don't want to like put them on a scale but like just in in reference to what you were just saying about folks being scared to speak up because of you know the power that this person has over so many other people in the industry and just like potentially being like losing their career over making such a move I think yeah. the last person from Funamia, Robin Hunicky, is probably, um, it, at least from what I saw from that fallout, because I, I was seeing that on Twitter, like, live as it was happening. Oh, right. Um, that that was maybe maybe one of the, the worst examples of that particular thing. But, yeah, I, I remember, and, and I, I share these feelings as well, right? Like, I when I left my call center jobs, <laughs> I mm. had my first, like, semi-animation-related job. I worked at a place called Furfy Media. Um and yeah, my boss there was just ridiculously abusive. She was insane. Literally, she... I, I, I think she had like some, some personality disorder or something because yeah, her screaming and slamming doors and all sorts of stuff was just next level. Is, isn't that disgusting? I, rem I remember talking to you quite a bit while you were going through that. And, and I remember one, one avenue you found to kind of vent about it was creative writing. Like yeah. we, we used to do those fantasy fictions oh, yeah. and, fantasy and your, fiction. <laughs> your, your first fantasy fiction was just like reaming her. In, like, you know. I printed that at the office. Like I'm sure there was a way for them to like find that. God damn. So funny. I hope she found it. Um, yeah, I hope she did too. Yeah. God damn. Um, but yeah, so I, and unfortunately I was in the position where I, like, she was the boss of the company she owned, she owns Furfy Media. And so mm -hmm. there was no, you know, taking her away from that position really, unless, unless I were to try and go to the courts and, and have it shut down that way, which I just, at the time I didn't have the, the money or energy for. And so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I was so like, um, pumped when, <laughs> when you managed to do what you did at, at your place and. 
and and anytime uh, it's sort of like made me this like fighter for my friends <laughs> mental <laughs> health and their jobs like anytime that i can that i can like lend them an ear or like uh, offer them advice on what they should be doing in in those circumstances i'm always so impassioned and ready to fucking draw my blade <laughs> you know yeah like, yeah well to go it's... to battle it's, it's one of those things where once you've been through it, your tolerance for people being assholes and getting away with it or people being assholes and expecting praise for it, the tolerance just drops to zero. It's zero, and, yeah. <laughs> and, and so it, it, it is absolutely about supporting people who are being abused in those situations and, and helping people realise that they deserve better. Yeah. And... It's, it's a shitty thing to be broke and without a job, but it's a, a shittier thing to be abused and have to spend way more money than, than y you would make at that job, you know, working through things in therapy over the next yeah. two years. <laughs> like, it, it, just, it just ain't worth it in the long run. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if, if, um, it's so hard because when you're in those situations, a lot of the times it feels as though you can work through it. You have this weird, like, um, what's the, the thing where the people fall in love with their captors? What's that called? Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that definitely comes up or, and like you just mentioned, you know, it's, it's, you're scared of being jobless and broke. So the alternative is to work through it, right? Like you, mm. you can figure it out or you think it'll and only be for a little bit longer and it's just never, it's always better to just be like, fuck this and just walk I out. And that's a societal pressure as yeah. well for, for uh, that everyone experiences where before I got as sick as I am now, I just would never imagine leaving my job without something else set up. Yeah. And, and now that it's, it's almost been a year and I've literally earned zero dollars for an <laughs> entire year. Mm -hmm. Like my attitude has just completely changed. It's just, it's, it's really spoken to how important your close friends and community are it, yep. it it's just like man when i went down everyone was like you know offering to help and like buying me things and dropping off food and it just like i was like oh fuck that's what's important not yep. not being able to save an extra like 10 grand a year or what or whatever yeah. it is like it's just there's so much more that's important and it's it's hard to have perspective on that until it happens totally yeah, man, I, I fully agree with all of the sentiments there. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know where to pivot out from here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, well, one of the prompts you've got um, that, that I really like is, is there an optimal, optimal kind of uh, deve development? And, yep. and the only point I've got is not working for fucking twerps would probably help optimization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I it's, it's weird because I have conflicting feelings about this, right? Like, I think the studio that I'm in now, which is also published by Annapurna, mm, by the way, yeah. is, um, yeah. and I've, I've met the folks at, at Annapurna and, um, they've, they've had fond interactions with, with me and I have nothing but respect for them. Um, though mm. I know the stories and, and everything like that from the, the doco are damning. I, and I don't wish to say any, like necessarily uh, i don't wish to contest any of the claims made in the documentary or like disparage or or encourage you know um annapurna i just think that through 
my own interactions with them, they've been only positive. So that's, mm. you know, that's kind of where I'd like to leave that. But um, yeah, I, I think like studios like the one that I'm working for now published under the publishers that they are, are probably one of the best circumstances that I've had to develop a video game in my career. Right. So I think it's close, you know, like we're so close to having like a really good set. Like I think that's sort of like indie, you know, 15, 20 people size studio mm. with like a, a good publisher is like kind of the prime time. Right. You get the best results. I think you make the best video games. There's like really fun, creative, weird stuff getting made under those exact same circumstances. I think smaller than that, you get, you can get a little bit kind of auteurish and maybe even a little mm. bit like lost sometimes. Like I think yeah. of, uh, the witness and how just like over the top that that <laughs> that game went. It was just like <laughs> almost unplayable by a, a large um, number of people just because of how abstract he went. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then you think about the opposite end, like AAA, and it, it seems as though it's not conducive to folks' mental health to be a part of such a large machine. You know, like it's it's mm. uh, the whole idea of the franchise, which I've touched on in previous episodes. It's like doesn't seem like a um, creatively fulfilling or interesting way to make a video game. It just seems like such a such a capitalist hellscape sort of product that you're that you're churning out. Yeah, well, I I think that's like I I think it's totally valid to pursue something like that, but it really does seem like that's the great divide between triple A and indie. Mm. I I can't speak to double A as much, but it really does seem like Within AAA, you can find some an anonymity. Uh, <laughs> how do you say that word? You can be anonymous. Anom- uh, you can be. <laughs> thank you. You can be anonymous, and you can just do your nine to five, and that might look like coding or animation or whatever it is. But really, you you're just kind of like working down a checklist, and your creativity and your input isn't as important in a role like that. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's, that's totally valid. Um, like I've, I've worked with a lot of people who, who do just want their job to be that so that they can, you know, enjoy their life outside of work or, you know, they're, they're in their, their late forties, fifties, they're thinking about retirement. Like they don't want to come in and like push things to the limit every day. Like they're just happy to come in, do some work and get paid for it. And I, I think that's completely fair, but from everything I've seen within an indie development studio, there is creative input from just about everyone. Is, mm-hmm. is that right? It can be. Um, there's definitely like, it depends on the team and it depends on the director and everything like that as well. Like there's all sorts of um, degrees of control that um, people leading these games allow. Um, right. and that's, that's kind of like, I brought it up a couple of times in this app so far, but the idea of the auteur, you know, like they, their say is final. It's like Hideo Kojima, you know, <laughs> like that's the yeah. kind of prime example of, of auteurism. And, and going just briefly back to the doco, mm. there was, uh, I can't, I can't remember who said it, but there was a quote saying something like, uh, it was about or, or like an auteur and that games have to be made or like great games yes. are made by pushing boundaries or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I was just like, fuck you. I would yeah. happily play shit games for the rest of my <laughs> life. If I knew the people were happy when they made them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's, it's a weird, um, that is really tricky. I, I think, um, 
the the line that gets crossed is when that person is um that that auteur or that you know creative lead is is abusive in any way right mm. um and so like i i think it's okay to have a studio that is uh that has someone at, at like the creative helm making all the final calls i think you actually end up with a more visually pleasing thing that comes out at the end it's usually got like the touch of that person on all of the elements and so mm. it becomes like cohesive and we're always mm. talking on, on this part about like yeah the cohesion was really good or like you could tell that everything had like the same brush stroke you know like it's like the aesthetic yeah. vision yeah. of the game and that and then i think usually that comes as a result of either one or two people having a lot of really like high level creative control as opposed to everyone on the team sort of you know throwing their two cents in Oh. Yeah, and and just to be clear, I think that is really important, and yeah. especially when you consider things like movies, where yeah. e- everyone is basically in service of the director, including yeah. the the AAA Hollywood actors and blah blah blah. Like it's about the vision of the director and who they choose to do certain things. Like they chose this cinematographer because they want it to look a certain way, um, and I think it is super important to be able to have and deliver projects that do revolve around one person's vision. ideas yeah. and vision. Yeah. Vision's, vision's a great word, but you, the, the, the auteur aspect of it all comes in when they're a fucking dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's what I, I, I think is, is the main issue. And I just want to make that clear. I wasn't saying yeah, yeah. that we, we need to live in a reality where games are only made in, you know, a communist regime. Like everyone has the same, everyone has the same say. Yes. Um, no, I, I wasn't saying that. I, I definitely was just showing, you know, there's, there's, there's a positive alternative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is, yeah, there totally. is a, a shinier side to the darkness of the irritation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. But yeah, I think for in terms of like the, the ideal way to make a game, I think that would probably be it. But yeah, I, and just to go back on what you were saying before about people who want to just come in and do their job and, you know, make the thing. I mean, they're not like actively trying to um, sabotage the game or anything like that. They're, mm. they're just, you know, they, they come and do their job and they do a great job. And they're usually the seniors, you know, they're, they're not there to like make any big creative decisions. They're just there to, to, take things and kick ass and smash it out yeah 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 um and i yeah i have huge respect for folks like that as well i think it's um there's nothing um there's no um ill will that i that i bear towards anyone who who takes a job like that i i respect it a lot um and it needs to happen you know like there's there's i i like to think that there's space for everyone (laughs) yeah in in this in this land in this video game gamer world um yeah, and well, so, that's, yeah. that's ideally where we're at within a lot of things, you know, sports is for everyone, video yeah. games are for everyone, <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's really nice to see younger generations being uh, nonchalant about all the shit that previous generations put on a pedestal, yeah. you know, like around gender and sexuality, and it's just like, yeah. I feel like while a lot of things are going to shit, like... There's also some light to be found in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Very beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I think you're right. Um, it, it's it's gonna be cool to see the sorts of stuff that gets made going forwards. You know, like any time there's like 
a doco like this or there's you know the there's some bleeding in in an industry like in games you know where like we we have a situation like ken wong or robin hunicky where like it's mm-hmm. it, you know a lot of people come forward and say oh you know this person did this to me and i worked with this person and xyz terrible thing happens happened there's always i feel like there's always some even though it is terrible and traumatic and, and hurts these person these people usually again when they have to come forward and tell their story mm-hmm. there's usually some like um not light at the end of the tunnel that's a really cliche way to look at it but i think it's like a positive bleed if that makes sense Mm. it's like an overall like push for um a better more sustainable more ethical situation to do your job in which i think is always yeah yeah 100 percent. and so you you mentioned before that you feel like you're just about at at the zenith when it comes to video game development where you do have a relatively small studio and and a publisher that has their fingers in the pie just enough um do you have any scope on how that's changed over the years for indie game development like do, do you know or can you imagine what this would have been like 10 years ago like is it quite different or is is it kind of looking like the same thing yeah, you know, I actually don't know. Um, I wasn't around. I, I mean, like, if you look back and look at those games, like the Meat Boy and the Braid and all that sort of stuff that was coming out on the Xbox Arcade. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, uh, I, I love that era of video games. I feel like that's some weird, like, golden era, right? Where you, Bro, <laughs> everything you know, on you, the App Store was cool. You know why it was it was golden? It is because it felt curated. Like, have yeah. you been to the Nendo, Nintendo Switch Online Store? It's that, yeah, Hellscape. That, that place is fucked. It's yeah. got 40 million games and less than 1% of them are worth your time. Like, yeah. it's just insane how bloated it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like you've got, you know, like Mario Kart 8 and then right next to it you've got, like, hentai card matching game. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. 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 It's, there's so much on there that is just designed for, like... 13 year old boys boner hunting and it's like oh god like it's like when um uh (laughs) sony let black tiger onto their marketplace and it was was the beginning of the end yes that just some asset flipped bullshit for i don't know 20 or 30 australian dollars yeah like i'd rather pay someone to like stub my toe (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's yeah it's the nintendo switch store is an abomination yeah i think steam has a similar issue look it's it's i think as as games become more and more uh creatable you know like with with uh, mm. unreal 5 ha- releasing like open source stuff that you can just take and use and for free and resell it's like the mit license or whatever like there's, there's yeah. gonna be just a dearth like an absolute um floodgate opening i think we've like seen the beginning of the floodgates opening i think it's only going to become more um more open to a lot of people to throw stuff like that up there in a hope of getting um some some kind of like viral profit made out of it um yeah yeah it's 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 bad but it's also there's like i don't know there's some good that comes of it as well you know it's like you give you give the um everyone in the village like the ability to go fishing and then you find the real best fisherman in the village as opposed to just mm. having one fisherman right yeah so. it, it it does seem like somehow the gold really does rise to the top whether you mm. read about it or your friends talk about it you do tend to hear about the good shit 
Yeah, I think there's also stuff that's getting quite lost. Like every now and then I'll like watch a video that like just randomly YouTube recommends to me and they, they talk about some indie game and I'm like, man, this looks like exactly what I'm into and I've never heard about it. I don't know who this studio is. <laughs> never right. heard of this publisher and yeah, here we are. Um, right. And so, yeah, there's, uh, it still feels as though like the point that you made before about curation, it still feels mm. as though curation is poor. Like, right. I think there's got to be some service, some ability, some board or boards of folks who are who make it um, make it like their job to really curate and make sure Bro, stuff is job. Maybe that maybe that's us. Maybe that's our our Shark Tank business. We <laughs> we are gonna be able to tell you whether your video game is worth selling. <laughs> <laughs> That's how publishers get made. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So, so yeah. bro, bro, tell me, tell me about the news this week. What oh, do you got? The news. Okay, I actually <laughs> brought some news this week. Oh, here we go. Unlike the other week, which I don't remember, I blacked out and just said a bunch of random things. Uh, hang on a minute. Let me just do one little quick Google. Uh, <laughs> We've got live, live research breaking. This is breaking news. Yes. Okay. So, do you know the audio company Teenage Engineering? I don't. They make um, the OP1. Oh, yeah. That yes. rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. I okay. think I sent you a picture of it a little while ago, like the desk with my keyboard or that keyboard on it. Oh, yep, yep, yep. I'm with you. Yep. yep. They make um, really pretty little um, weird funny little <laughs> devices um, and the <laughs> okay. OP1 is is kind of I think in my opinion the coolest looking thing that they've made until they work oh, together shit. to make this handheld gaming device called the Playdate oh I like and that I'm name. just gonna send you the website it's play.date which I love oh we're but gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a live reaction yes yes so is this uh a switch killer is that what no um... no not at all they are cornering an entirely different part of um, a video game market which is really when we think about indies this is pretty much as indie as you get oh so is this like a game boy advanced resurgence like, not, uh, what, what is this what is this thing joe tool <laughs> what is this this is a little yellow game boy thing it's got like a d-pad and two buttons and it's got a crank yeah. on the side, which pops out and uh, and allows you to spin. That doesn't charge the device. It is, um, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see it popping out and, and spinning around. Um, um, and it's just a control that you can use to, in some games, rotate the rotation of a surfboard or run or make something go forwards or backwards in time. Um, oh it's, God. it's whatever the developer deems it to be useful for. In some cases, the, de the devs don't even use it at all. Dear viewer, um, this Game Boy does indeed have a crank. Like <laughs> you're starting an old motor vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Has wow. a freaking crank. Wow. Um, and so uh, the unique part of this is that once you have your Playdate and you turn it on, you receive two brand new games every week for 12 weeks. No so shit. So you just get sent these games by these developers who are picked by Playdate, I believe, um, the company that released this thing. And you, and they just appear on your device as long as it's connected to the internet. Um, wow! You get to get to play the two new games every week, which I love. It's a really interesting little concept. You buy the, you buy the device, and almost like magic, it, it, games appear on it that you it's, don't know what they are. They're just picked for you. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, 
a, a, an advanced Tamagotchi, you know, yeah. where like everything is on, like you, you buy it for one purpose. Like you buy it for the set of games that you get or whatever, you know, yeah. it's got that old school appeal. Yes. Yeah, totally. Um, and so you can also go on the various, uh, I think there's like a store somewhere, not a store, just like a website where you can go and download all of the existing games, I think. Um, and any games that anyone else has put up. So the SDK is available just for free. You can download it and make your own games with Playdate and release them. Wow. Cool. I don't, I don't really know who's making money out of this apart from Playdate for selling the device. Like, I don't think the devs are, are earning any money apart from maybe some amount of money that Playdate's giving them to actually develop the games in the first place for the weekly mm -hmm. releases. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you just release on the on the platform, I don't, I don't think you see any profit. Um, Interesting. So yeah, kind of cool little weird, uh, yeah. little weird thing. The one thing that's not great about it is it doesn't have a backlight. Oh my god! Yeah. It doesn't have a backlight. No, that... it's just a, it's just a screen. <laughs> wow, that is fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah. I never thought I'd see the day where a non-backlit gaming device would. Would, <laughs> would come out in contemporary culture that's whack all right yeah. cool that's that's quite cool a unique gaming dealio yeah so it's been out for a couple uh, i think a year now and oh, right. um pre-orders they ship in 2023 so if you want to get one you can't <laughs> Not for a long time. great but if you're listening to this you know about it and, and exactly. that's what's important <laughs> it's uh it's 179 us dollars and i'll put the link in the description and you can go and uh snatch it up <laughs> cool limited to two per person absolutely mm -hmm. bonkers stuff um so yeah they're obviously doing well i think it's also like chip shortage and stuff which is also causing a little bit of um uh yeah yeah classic covid shenanigans yeah 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 shenanigans um so uh the next piece of news is a crazy taxi remake <gasps> oh my god crazy taxi hey 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 you're going the wrong way follow the arrow <laughs> follow the arrow oh i love so, crazy taxi. yeah i love crazy taxi too I, I can't remember which one i played like i think there were several different crazy taxis oh Maybe wow two or three i, can't I remember right I, I i played the first one and that's all i i remember I, I seem to remember while I was playing Crazy Taxi, there was like an arcade mode where you could go and ride around a maze and knock over pins, like 10-pin bowling. Did you, did you ever play that? <laughs> that that doesn't ring a bell, but like we're talking a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this Crazy Taxi, like I feel like I would have been playing that and the PS2 demo disc side by side. You yeah. know, I feel like that's the era we're talking about here. And so at, at the moment, um, Sega is, they've sort of just floated it as an idea. It's not a, it's not actually going ahead, but they, they have said, um, uh, along with the potential revival of an, another one of its popular titles from the Dreamcast days is Jet Set Radio. I don't know if you ever played Jet Set Radio. Yeah. Yeah. Jet Set Radio. I loved that shit. I never played it. Was it good? Um, okay. So like. My story with Jet Set is I had a best friend and one Christmas I got a PS2 and he got an Xbox because um, Jet Set was Xbox only. Right. And um, he was like, I'll bring the Xbox over. And I was like, yeah, cool. And he brought it over and we, we popped in Jet Set. And I was like, this is cool. You're like skating around, tagging things. Like it's pretty fun. 
and uh, he had a couple of games and I picked up this game and I was like, what's this? He's like, oh, I haven't played it yet. And we popped it in and it was fucking Halo. So oh. like Jet Set was great, but like when Halo you pop in Halo and you've never played <laughs> oh. a game like that and it's co-op, it's just like, why yeah. were we playing Jet Set at all? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So like we, we did eventually go back and Jet Set's cool and all, but I feel it was just overshadowed by, by Halo yeah. co-op. Well, I think just that it sounds as though, I, and I'm not sure on this, but it sounds as though it came out on the Dreamcast. So it probably came out a while. The one on the Xbox might have been like a remake or a remaster. Oh or something. no, shit! Well, I think I think the Xbox one was actually a sequel. A sequel, right? Yeah, yeah. I think like there was Jet Set Radio, the first one, and then the Xbox one was Jet Set Radio Future. Oh, okay, right, right. I imagine doing much the same thing as the original, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So p- people are a little bit concerned about this uh, crazy taxi Sega remake just because of some of the stuff that Sega's mentioned along with the the re-release of this game and Jet Set Radio saying that they're really interested in what uh, mobile games have been doing recently and oh, they're really you know, keen to see what sort of stuff that they can do with, you know, releasing on the mobile platform. And so people are, you know, like, oh, no, <laughs> they'll be paying yeah. for, like, races and skins and all the brand deals and all that sort of shit. So it's, um, what if they take the shitty mobile concept where they just bleed you for cash and reverse it, where they open up their own bank account and you actually get paid for taking people on taxi rides. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Oh my God. One of these days we're going to talk about the like rise of the crypto video game and like all of that sort of stuff. Maybe oh my be, God. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a uh, crazy taxi. I loved crazy taxi as a kid. It was such like a weekend game. You'd like turn it on and hang out, and the music was awesome, and it was just such a light, fun game. It was so innocent. Yeah, just, yeah. Time, just a time attack. Just get the passengers, pick up another one. It's great. Yeah, yeah agreed. Cool game. Um, so there is a Sonic sort of pack that they're releasing that has a lot of the old Sonic games. Oh, yeah, this is I the think next I piece saw of this. Yeah. And uh, it's called Sonic Origins. Uh-huh. And um, it has a lot of game modes hidden behind paid DLC, which is causing a lot of people strife. Oh, um, fuck. I saw the James Stephanie Sterling video on this. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, the pre-order bonuses or the deluxe edition bonuses were just fucked. So... Yes. So bad. <laughs> so I'm looking at a graph, which is obviously put out by Sega because the checkpoints have been turned into Sonic rings. But oh. so with the pre-order, you get the main game. That's all, that's all you get with the pre-order standard okay. edition. Amazing. With the, that's, with the start that's... dash pack. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get some free DLC included with the pre-order of standard or digital edition. You get 100 bonus coins. Coins in a Sonic Mate. game. This isn't a Mario game. Get the fuck out of here. They're rings. Rings or bust. Uh, you unlock mirror mode. <laughs> Which is dumb. Like, I mean, it's not dumb that it's a mode, but it's dumb that you have to pay extra for yes. fucking... And you, you unlock know, s- <laughs> the letterbox background. <laughs> Which I'm oh. guessing is just like, you know, letterboxing with Sonic theming. Which oh, is, you, know, you pay extra for. And then there's the Sonic Premium Fun Pack. Which is coming soon. I don't know why that's listed like that. You can't. That comes... They they haven't even developed it yet. Yeah. <laughs> that, in, that includes the hard difficulty setting. <laughs> oh my god. This is so dystopian, dude. Um, 
character animation in the main menu. Oh my god. <laughs> like, why do they think they can do this, though? Like, <sighs> Sonic games fucking suck. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ooh, but they... He's saying it. They suck. It's just like... You know, we I don't even think we mentioned Sonic in our nostalgia thing. Maybe we did. We did. I don't know. That feels yeah. like a lifetime ago. But holy <laughs> shit, like the way the screen moves and just keeping track of anything. Like there, there are definitely some good levels that are fun where it, it kind of mixes this player input versus on rails thing because mm. like it, it's just going so fast that you're at the mercy of of like the game yes um but man like does sega just think sonic is fucking awesome and always sells well like it's just yeah. so weird they seem so out of touch and look yeah. it's probably just a bunch of execs that have like <laughs> ring tattoos around their cocks and they're just like <laughs> jerking off over their financial returns and they're like yeah fuck yeah 100 coins you can use coins to buy you know, power-ups and... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And one uh, of them says hard mode and points at his dick. <laughs> that's that's exactly how that shitty meeting went. Like, this is... It's just dumb. It's yeah. dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. Um, camera controls over the main menu islands is an unlockable feature uh, or a payable feature. Character animation during music islands. I don't know what that means, but again. Additional music tracks from Mega Drive and... and um, and uh, the uh, sorry, and Genesis titles is only available in the classic music pack, and it's the only unique thing that you get as a result of pre of, of ordering that particular edition of the game. Oh and then there's God. the deluxe edition, which doesn't even come with everything. It's it it doesn't include the hundred bonus coins. It doesn't include um, mirror mode, <laughs> and it doesn't include letterbox backgrounds. So if you really want to get the full experience, you're going to want to buy Sonic Origins Digital Lu Deluxe Edition. Then you're also going to want to get the start uh, the start dash pack <laughs> in order to get <laughs> the full Sonic Origins experience. That's the, that's the optimized way. Well, uh, luck luckily for us, we want the uh, no Sonic Origins experience, and that's <laughs> yeah. free. That's and, free, baby. Uh, you don't got to pay anyone for that. I, I highly recommend that experience. It's it's very good. I can speak personally about this. I, w I would love to do a Sonic episode because uh, Sonic is such an interesting little blue guy. He basically saved Sega. And so it's, a, it's a topic for another time. But um, yeah. I have to do some research to get you true facts on this. But I listened to a thing recently where they when they went over all of the history of of the, of the guy and, and how he saved Sega. Yeah, look, if you have any information about that little blue bean uh, and you wish to reprimand me for talking shit about him... Um, or or they. I don't know if Sonic has a gender. Uh, you can email us at it's almost the weekend pod. Oh, com. Very good, very good remembering. We've been forgetting the last couple of times. Oh, look, there's no rhyme or reason to this podcast. <laughs> hit, hit us, hit us with the email again. Just, I think I cut you off. It's almost the weekend pod at gmail dot com. Very no good. Grammar. I mean, not no grammar, no, <laughs> no spelling, no grammar, no, sp <laughs> no words will be accepted. Just, just think about that email address, and we will receive your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, <laughs> do not type it on your keyboard. Don't even utter it out loud. This is unknowable, unspeakable knowledge you've just attained. <laughs> uh, it's been a fun one, dude. Yeah, yeah. Love doing this, oh, dude. All right. Well. 
we'll uh, wrap it up there. Yeah, let's wrap it. All right. See, see you all next time when it's almost the weekend once more. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.